I'd like to direct your attention to the book of Luke, chapter number 29 or 23. Luke chapter number 23. Thank God for that praise and worship that we all experienced here. Wonderful. Wonderful. Now, I know you don't think this. You're, I'm gonna, about to say something. You're saying, I, I don't believe that. I'm really restraining myself. Um, and only God really knows how true that is, I guess. <clears throat> because I love worship and praise and liberation in the Holy Ghost. And I can just, I can be the first one on the dance floor and the first one with the lampshade on his head. How do I know that? Because I used to do that. And so when I get into a Holy Ghost environment, I have to keep myself in check because I have a job to do. I have an office to fulfill. But ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it, part of me wants to cut a rug real bad. I don't know how people just, I don't know how people do it. Because I get to thinking, well, if you're feeling what, I, what I'm feeling. Anyway, let me fulfill my office in Jesus' name. Luke chapter number 23, familiar passage of Scripture. And we're going to go to verse number 39. Verse number 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying dost not thou fear God seeing thou art in the same condemnation and we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds this is one thief talking to another thief and we indeed justly for we receive the due reward of our deeds but this man speaking of Jesus hath done nothing amiss and he said unto Jesus lord remember me when thou comest in to thy kingdom and Jesus said unto him verily i say unto thee today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The difference that one prayer can make. The difference that one prayer can make. Let's put our Bibles down and let's do just that right now. Let's pray together, shall we? The Spirit of God would move even within the realm of complication, all of the idiosyncrasies and self-perpetuated problems, 
people have walked in here with. Father, I pray, I pray for the simplicity of Christ to rule and reign in this house, to shine a light, open a door, remove the shackles, remove the human limitations. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The difference that one prayer can make. A man by the name of Herbert Hoover said years ago that prayer is the single greatest power known to man. He made that statement in the era of the atomic bomb. Mass military effort on the heels of World War II. He recognized that prayer is the most powerful force in our world. The scripture that I read in your hearing this morning is a famous passage of scripture. We are well acquainted with this scenario. Theologically, it has kept many a commentator and theologians on their heels. Um, the reason for that is, is because you are watching in living color, you are watching the finality of the Old Testament. You are watching the closing moments of the Old Testament. That was in existence for 39 books, covenants, dispensations, prophecies and promises. Some of the greatest and most notable people of God are found within its blood-stained pages. But you are watching the end of the Old Testament. One of the most often questions that we get when we get into a Bible study that talks about the new birth is when you talk about the necessity of baptism, and make no mistake about it, Baptism is part of the salvific plan from God to man. I know that there's been a lot of, specifically in the, in the last 500 years since the Reformation, there's been a lot of creative theology that have tried to say that the, baptism really doesn't do anything. Um, I'm going to tell you that nobody is qualified to change the Word of God. Nobody. Nobody is. Let God be true in every man. The Bible said in 1 Peter chapter number 3, whereby baptism does now save us. They were commanded to be baptized. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, Luke chapter 24, Mark chapter number 16, go into all the world, baptizing every creature. 
But people say, if baptism is required, how come the thief on the cross was not baptized? And that when they, when people make that statement, they are, they are openly admitting that they don't understand really what's going on here because the thief is still in the Old Testament and baptism was not commanded until the New Testament. In fact, in Acts chapter number two on the birthday of the church is in Acts chapter number two, regardless of denominational affiliation, uh, regardless of theological background, every single theologian, denomination, everybody believes that the birthday of the church is in Acts chapter two, beginning in verse number one. And on the day of Pentecost, they were told to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What makes Cornerstone unique, and we're not the only one, there's churches all over the land sprinkled all over the fruited plain that believe this, but we believe in the apostolic doctrine that an individual still must incorporate the blood, the water, the spirit, the death, the burial, the resurrection, repentance, and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Not some modernistic post-Reformation, post-Martin Luther, wishful thinking. And so firmly we are in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament was not completed until Jesus said, it is finished. And so here's two thieves, one on each side of Jesus. I doubt that either one of these thieves have ever been the, close to Jesus before. But it doesn't matter what the environment is, if you get that close to Jesus, you might as well have a conversation with him. I want to remind some of you that you're very close to Jesus. In fact, he's all over you. In fact, Paul said in Acts 17, in him we move and breathe and have our being. If haply, we might seek after him and find him. I want to tell you that the Holy Ghost is everywhere. You left your house, the Spirit was everywhere. You got in your vehicle, the Spirit was everywhere. You walked in this building, the Spirit is everywhere and now you're hearing if you'll open up your heart and open up your life that God that's everywhere will come into your life oh let's clap our hands and give him great praise one thief is taking the occasion to take a jab at Jesus which in this same scenario, just a few moments earlier, the devil used a religious person to say, if you'll come down off the cross, then we will believe you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad that he stayed on the cross. <laughs> I'm glad he followed the blueprint. If you be the Christ, 
save yourself and save us. Jesus did not even respond to that. I'm so glad that when I was a sinner, Jesus did not even respond to me with all the stupid things that came out of my mouth. Did you know that one of the most often used phrases in Hollywood is using the Lord's name in vain? And it's not starting with God anymore. It's using the name of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, why in the world would I be privy to somebody in Hollywood that is putting down the name of the God that I say is saving me? Ladies and gentlemen, that's where we part ways. I'm here to lift up the name of Jesus. I'm not here to put down the name of Jesus. I did that for 30 years, but I went down in the name, and I came up in the name. And I've been living in victory. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody give him praise. I am here to magnify the name of Jesus over every lion devil. I'm here to exalt the name of Jesus over every Hollywood movie. I'm here to give him praise and glory. Somebody clap your hands with me and give him praise and glory right now. Jesus did not even respond to that thief. The Bible said in the book of Proverbs, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou be like him. There are some people that the only response that's biblical is silence. But there was another thief that had a completely different comprehension about Jesus. And he said, Jesus, the other one said, if thou be the Christ. This thief started out by saying, Jesus, Honey, you might be sitting here today in a million miles from where you really know you ought to be. But if you can start out by saying, Jesus. There were hundreds, maybe even thousands of the halt and the maimed that filled the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. We know that they were at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5, a very famous story. But Jesus is walking down another cobblestone street, and all of a sudden there was the voice of a blind man. Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus stopped. Ma Master, are you okay? Everything okay? What, what's going on? Jesus said, somebody properly identified me. Jesus, thou son of David, a blind man no less, that had only heard the commotion as people tried to draw 
nigh unto the Savior. And the, the disciples were trying to be an entourage that protected him from people that wanted to grab him and people that, that, that tried to get in his way. And no doubt they were, they were clearing bodies out of the way and making sure that the path was clear. And, and, and the blind men said, what's all the commotion? I, I can't see anything. Somebody tell me what's going on. Oh, that Jesus from Nazareth is, is visiting. And all of a sudden, he, he, he said, Jesus, thou son of David. Listen, if you've got a bad problem here today, don't wait on the counselor tomorrow. Don't wait on psychotropic drugs. Don't wait on medical marijuana. Jesus, thou son of David. You'll be right in stuff. You can do it here. You can lift your voice here. You can get loose here. You can throw your coat aside here. Lift up your voice. Jesus, thou son of David. Somebody call on the name of Jesus. Somebody call on the name of God manifest in the flesh. This thief has never prayed a day in his life. One man noted that nobody's really a good thief unless they're also a liar. And you know the adage, if a man will lie, the man will steal. There's no telling what this guy's record looked like. It was so bad that they crucified him. He was, he was a lifelong hardened criminal in that day and in that hour. Should have been Barabbas there, but that's another story. And so here's this thief for the very first time. Never been this close before. Never been this close to Jesus before. This is why, and this is just for Cornerstone. That's why Cornerstone, when we have a Sunday service, it's not, it's not so that we, we, can, we can be religious. And I know you know this. I'm just saying this. Uh, I'm saying this for everybody else's sake. It's not just so we can be religious. It's not so we can just say, well, I went to church today and salve our conscience. But when we get into the Holy Ghost, what we're doing is bringing Jesus close to somebody. There might have been somebody here today that walked in here today that, that, that has given up on life. They have given up that anything's ever going to change. They've given up that any, any problem in my life could take me out. I'm about to get caught by, by the police. Anything could happen in my life. I want to tell you, today you are close to Jesus. Or rather, today Jesus is close to you. It's a perfect day to call on the name of the Lord. We did not build this thing on some professional schematic. We built this thing on people that experienced the power and the liberation of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. This thief... Heard this other thief come out with a bunch of disrespectful rhetoric, and he rebuked the other thief. 
I don't know, maybe they, maybe they stole together. Maybe they smoked their first joint together. Used to visit the bar together. Used to fence their stolen goods together. Maybe they were in competition and, and one guy tried to out-steal out the other one. He rebukes the other thief. I mean, I'm starting to like this thief. I mean, he's got, you know, he's a thief, maybe a thug. Modern terminology, maybe he's a drive-by shooter. I don't know, you know, you, you got to go with me on this. He's, he's a bad guy. He's so bad that they're putting him to death. And he's rebuking the other thief. But something was different about this thief. He had heard the same stories that this other thief heard. And where one thief began to rail on Jesus and said, oh yeah, you're the Savior, all right. If you're the Savior, get yourself out of this and get me out of this while you're at it. Almost a snide, disrespectful tone. But this other thief had heard the same stories. He heard about a man that got his sight back. He heard about Lazarus being raised from the dead. He heard about 5,000 being fed with a little boy's sack lunch. He heard all these stories. And something on the inside of him said, you know, I just wonder. I heard about a coming Savior. It seems like when I used to be faithful to the synagogue in, in, my, in my younger days that I heard the story that a Savior was coming and a promised one was coming and, and, and a Savior was coming and, and, and maybe this is it. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've heard about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You've heard about the miraculous. You've heard about God being able to transform lives. You've heard about the infilling of the Spirit. And they all spoke in other tongues as they were filled with the Holy Ghost. You're in that kind of a place today. You're in that kind of an environment today. I totally understand. I'm hungry too. All this praise and worship makes me hungry. You're just going to have to give me a little bit of a little bit of leash here. But I almost, I almost see this thief going, maybe he is the Savior. Maybe I will go to paradise. Maybe he really is a Savior. Maybe he really is all those things that I heard about. And so he follows a little different tact And he says, Jesus, I have a prayer request. These are the last remaining moments of my life. This is the first time I've ever prayed. 
never been this close before. Never slowed down enough to even think about praying, but here I can't move. I can't get off this cross. And so I have a prayer request. Would you remember me? When you come into your kingdom, this thief Jesus responded to. Today, as soon as this little appointment on the cross is over, as soon as both of us move out of these mortal bodies, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Let's lift our hands and give God great praise. The incredible difference that one prayer can make. Why don't we just go ahead and lift our hands. Maybe you're visiting with us. Maybe you never prayed before. Why don't we just, why don't we just talk to God right now? He's in this house. God, if you're there, Make yourself real to me. Make yourself known to me. Something. Over 35 years ago, the very first prayer that ever came out of my mouth been snorting cocaine all day, drinking hard alcohol all day, and in the, in the afternoon, I thought, you know what? There's no point living another day. It's a good day to kill myself. So I went into that bathroom, locked the door, got down on that stained linoleum floor, and the first thing that came out of my mouth, if there's a God, help me. Yeah, some of you are th thinking I was a Bible school graduate. No, I'm a graduate from a stained linoleum floor. And in less than a year, there was a knock on my door from my brother. I said, what are you doing? He said, I've just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That was God answering my prayer. Come on, somebody. I'm going to go so far to say it's your visit to this church today is God answering those prayers because we believe that God can change your life. We believe that God can get the depression and the oppression and the suppression and the repression off of your life. Oh, would somebody go ahead and give him praise right now? Would somebody that's experienced the exaltation of the Holy Ghost give him praise right now? and give our visitors some hope. There are people all over this audience that came in this building in one condition and obeyed the gospel and left with liberty and left with power and left with the glory of God. Somebody shout and give him praise. One prayer. In the last remaining moments of this man's life, 
changed his eternal destination. In the invisible world, here of late, there's been some modernistic theories about how the material world operates. One of these theories, I'm not going to get into this real deep here this afternoon, but it's called chaos theory. And chaos theory is a theory that involves the unseen, the subatomic world. And one of the theories that has branched off chaos theory has almost become kind of a pop culture, uh, kind of a little belief. It's called the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect is under the canopy of chaos theory. The butterfly effect is simply this, that something almost imperceptible can happen somewhere that given enough time and enough activity produces a great result somewhere else. Now, the way that this was explained to me as the butterfly effect was, it was explained to me as a butterfly that is flapping its wings in North America can somehow through a series of processes be amplified and strengthened to create a typhoon in the Indian Ocean. Now, if you're highly, um, if that's highly speculative to you, I understand. I, I question that also myself. But when it comes to prayer, just one little prayer on this side can end up in a miracle over on this side. A prayer on your dashboard can turn in to a divine visitation this afternoon. Oh, I wish it somebody. Just one little prayer can rend the heavens and bring you a miracle and change your world. I would that somebody would get in alignment with God. There is another theory that is attached to chaos theory. There's a bunch of them. I've chosen to only talk about two. One of them is the butterfly effect. The other one is called the tipping point. The tipping point is a lot like the butterfly effect, only it's a little bit more descriptive. For example, there is a snowflake that falls. The first snowflake of the season lands on a mountain in northern Canada. And through the process of time and a lot of other snowflakes, it reached a point where there was an avalanche. And that avalanche came plummeling down that mountain and engulfed part of a village and killed numerous people that were in that village. But it started with one snowflake. 
Now, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm with you on this, and I, I'm following you, but I, I, I don't understand what, I, what you're trying to say. I'm trying to say that the power of prayer does not need to have flowing robes and flowing religiosity and have a bunch uh, of degrees on the wall, but it can be just an old drug addict that's on a bar stool that slams his glass down and said, I am so sick of this. If there's a God out there, I need your help. You watch God fly off of his throne. And there are people under the sound of my voice that have experienced. Come on, Cornerstone. Let's send a prayer into the atmosphere that'll change somebody's world. The Bible is filled and replete with examples of just singular items or objects or expressions that in and of themselves are not much, but used in the proper context, they are powerful. I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost right now. Thank you, Jesus. Moses in that rod Nothing happened until he stretched out that rod. But when he stretched forth that rod, waters would split. Power was demonstrated. God's omnipresence was made known. Just a little pebble. Just a little pebble in the right sling by the right man with the right anointing with the right occupation, brought down the enemy of the Philistines that even the king was afraid of. His brethren were afraid of. The entirety of the nation of Israel was afraid of. But one little pebble thrown by the right man can bring down an entire giant. Just one little prayer from a widow lady that says, no, I'm not going, I'm going to the church to pray. And that continual going to the church to pray. Oh, I'm trying to reach somebody in the back. I'm trying to reach somebody over here. Don't hang up your prayers yet. Don't give up your prayers yet. Your prayers are powerful. Your pr- See, I believe this stuff. Man, that dude's crazy. He believes this stuff. No, I believe this stuff. I believe at the right time, at the right place, the right prayer, the heavens will split and thunder will come down. And the invisible God, the immaterial becomes material and the invisible becomes visible. Just a little prayer. The Bible is full of things, just little tiny things. Just one little alabaster box. This is going to be a memorial to consecutive generations, just an alabaster box. It might have just been an alabaster box to Judas. But to Mary Magdalene, it was a huge sacrifice 
the only thing decent in her life. It wasn't the odor she walked in. She was a woman of ill repute, but she had this box of odors. And she said, God is in the house. I'm I'm bringing this thing out because there's no greater, there's no more wonderful purpose than to break open that alabaster box and let the building be filled with a perfume and an odor that represents the presence and glory of God. Not saving it for my hobbies, not saving it for my friends outside these walls. Just that little boy. Thousands of people. The disciples are like, man, let's send these people home. They're bugging us. They're hungry. Jesus has been teaching all day. The disciples said, send them away. Jesus said, no, we're getting ready to feed them. Well, John, you got anything? Peter, you got the keys. You got anything? I ain't even got those keys yet. James, Philip, you guys, anybody? Oh, there's a little lad here. It's got a little bag with a little oil stain on it from those fish. He's willing to donate that little bag with two fish and a couple loaves. And the disciples are like, are you kidding me? How's he going to feed all these people with a couple fish and a couple loaves? Jesus said, let's pray. I'm trying to reach you. I still can't reach some of you. Let's pray. Don't just feed them. Pray. Because when you pray, that which is little is much in the hand of a master. Don't walk out of here and say, well, nothing happened. Pray. Don't walk out of your relationship just yet. Pray. Don't. I'm trying to reach somebody. Pray. Come on. Way back there. Let's lift our hand. Let's have a moment here today. The difference that one prayer can make. And Jesus fed 5,000 with 12 bags of excess because somebody prayed. Okay, we're going to take a break. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Let's all pray. God, in the name of Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We worship you, I pray. Father, I pray that you bless every soul that's here. I pray that you bless every life that's here. I pray that you bless every situation. I pray that you provide the word. You provide the answer. You provide the power. You provide the means. You provide the healing. Somebody help me out. You provide the miraculous. They prayed and said, here, feed them, 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 because that which is little is much in the hands of the master. Dude, that's an old school phone. There ain't a smartphone in this world that sounds like that. Hello, this is the pastor. And I don't answer like that either. Hello, pastor, this is brother so-and-so. Yes, brother so-and-so. So nice to hear from you. Pastor, 
Can I give you the real story? Because we ain't got time to do all this other stuff. Let me give you the real story. Pastor, this is Brother So-and-so. Would you mind praying for me? Sure, I'll pray for you. Are you praying? No, I don't believe God's answering my prayers. Well, what makes you think he's answering my prayers? <laughs> you see, you receive not because you ask not. Instead of going to the shrink, why don't you go to the wonderful counselor? Instead of going to Sacred Heart, why don't you go to the great physician first? Somebody clap your hands. Somebody lift your voice. I believe that a little prayer in the hands of a master can bring about great rewards. Now, I do believe that people have to go to the hospital. I was in the hospital praying for somebody one time and it was revealed to me while I was praying for them that God is going to talk to them while they're in the hospital because they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't listen to God while they were out on the street. See, God can create situations in your life to help you pray. Well, if God loved me, he'd split, he'd rend the heavens, he'd come right down, he'd, he'd walk on the job, he'd knock on the door with a tuxedo, give me a gift and have all my answers, and I could live a godly, blessed life. That's not how God operates. You watch too many Hollywood movies. I'm going to tell you what happens. You get into a situation, and you say, God, I can't go forward, I can't go backwards, I can't go to the side, I'm going to call unto my God. God says, that's just what I was waiting on. As long as you got enough money, as long as you got enough resource, my God, I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. I'm almost done. Look at your neighbor and say, He's almost done. There's an amazing, not only is there a collection of artifacts and objects that are just used for one purpose, but there's prayers all through the Word of God. Just one prayer. Old Hezekiah, the prophet walked in and said, buddy, your days are over. Get your house in order. What did Hezekiah do? Well, I better call the funeral home. I better make plans. He turned his head to the wall and had a prayer meeting. God! What pretty. When you really get desperate, it's not going to win no Academy Awards. You're not going to win a Grammy. You're not going to, look, your hair's going to be all messed up. Your tie might be way up here. You might be rolling all over the floor. But, honey, you're going to walk out with power. You're going to walk out because you touched God. Because a plea got an answer. And a request got an answer. The flowing robes of Phariseeism were rebuked and denounced in the face of the dirty. People stunk. 
People didn't take a bath every day back in Jesus' day. In fact, the pool of Bethesda, the pool of five porches that was filled with the hot, halt, the lame, it was the sheep gate. It's where the sheep took a bath. When it got hot, it stunk. It smelled bad. It doesn't need to be pretty. It doesn't need to be all nice. It doesn't need to be all religious. It can stink. There's people in this situation in this building here today. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic or overly descriptive, but I do have to be honest. There's people here today that maybe walked in here and there's a situation in your life that stink. It's dirty. The water's dirty. It's impure. There's nothing pure about it. It stinks. It reeks. But it's no time to fake it until you make it. It's no time to run and hide. It's no time to get on psychotropic drugs. It's time to call on the name of Jesus. Elisha prayed one prayer, and it didn't rain for three years. A man of like passion like you and I. All kinds of people, just one prayer. You know, we look at people in the Bible and we look at their story, and if we're not careful, this is a real human tendency. We 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 build a profile around that and say, well, they must be doing that 24-7. You are looking in some cases at the only time in this person's life he was ever doing this. But they responded to God, and they did the right thing at the right time, and they responded correctly. And God said, this is just what I need because there's going to be a church in the 21st century that needs to read this and understand if I brought meal to an empty barrel, I can do it in the 21st century. If I bring cruises full of oil, I can do it in the 21st century. If I, I believe this. Somebody help me right now. Yes, God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. I'm coming down the home stretch. Matthew chapter number 7. Starting in verse number 7. Ask and God will play a game with you. Ask and it shall be given. Let's go to the next verse. For everyone that asketh Now, i got to qualify all this because you already know. Well, Pastor, I asked and nothing happened. Did you hang on to that? Uh, remember that prayer you prayed last year? You and me prayed together right there uh, up at the altar, and we prayed that God was going to do something, and you believed God was going to do something? Uh, was it a Sunday? No, it was Tuesday night. When you ask it, hang on to it. 
See, the problem is we got Facebook, we got Instagram. How many likes do I got? Man, how many hits did I get? We forget all about that prayer. And all it does is build a greater wall between you and God's promises because now you think it's not going to happen. God sent me to this building to tell all of you that just one prayer can bring about incredible results. I believe that what you're seeing here were the asking, the seeking, and the knocking. I believe that that is a continuation of asking. I don't believe that we're, we're not asking anymore. I believe that you're seeing a continuation all the way through. I remember we were across the street. We were running into a few issues. And... Um, I thought to myself, I'm not sure this is going to happen. The Holy Ghost stopped me and said, it's going to happen. Man, I love God. I'm so thankful for this today. Years ago, I don't know where this man is a man that I, I greatly loved. I've told this story before, and I'll leave out a lot of details for the sake of time, but when I got, when I got saved, I have never seen people that were anointed before. I've never seen what it looks like when a human being is under the anointing of God. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that is a supernatural phenomenon. It is a supernatural phenomena when somebody becomes anointed of the Holy Ghost to minister. Well, we had, we had a song leader in that church I got saved in. It was, the building was just, um, I don't know how big the sanctuary was, but it was, it was a fraction of this room today. And um, I saw this guy. He was just a song leader. And I sat back in complete and total awe of this guy being used in the Holy Ghost. I felt something. I felt something. There, there, there are people here today, you don't have the Holy Ghost, but you're feeling something. That something is the Spirit of God. And I watched this man as a song leader. And he was sweating. He was getting into it. He was passionate about it. He was anointed of God. I was, I was enthralled by that. I've never seen a human being anointed of God before in my life. I got saved, and a few years later, I started painting houses. And I was painting a house for my wife's uncle. He had a big house off of um, Grant Line Road. El Grove, California. And I never forgot that man that was anointed. I, I looked up to him. I still held him in high, degree, high esteem. And it, it broke my heart when he backslid. And um, 
we call him Uncle Bob. Tremendous man. Helped pray me, pray me through my very first visit, uh, my first night service to an apostolic church, my wife's uncle. And uh, he came through. He said, yeah, this brother's, this, this guy's going to come on through. Uh, he wants to look at some things. I'm just kind of warning you. He's got a couple, got a couple girlfriends with him. And uh, I was up on a up on a twelve foot ladder, and I heard him come in. He was laughing. I heard a couple other voices of laughter were coming in the house. I immediately started weeping. I started praying. I started praying for him. And uh, when I finally saw him, there were tears just streaming down my face. Had no connection with this man whatsoever. Not a family member. I had no, no connection with the man at all except we were brothers in the church. Tears streaming down. And I just hugged him. And after I hugged him with through tear stained eyes, I said, What happened? He said, Brother Rick, he said, I just quit praying. I just quit praying. Right about then, these two girls, he walked in, they just, they pulled his hand. And, it's amazing the difference that one prayer can make. There's been many times as a pastor that I've been in situations where I prayed and prayed. I thought I was praying. I was praying. But it was different when there was a level of desperation because with desperation was expectation. It's amazing how that difference in me created a difference in the answer to that prayer. Let's stand. Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember me. Let's lift our hands and let's recognize the amazing God of two testaments is in this building. He that spoke the world into existence. He that is the Alpha and the Omega is here. You may have never prayed a day in your life. You may have never uttered a prayer. I mean real prayer. I'm asking the musicians to come. And we're, come on, let's continue to lift our hands. This is a preparation period right here. There are people under the sound of my voice that are desperate. There are people under the sound of my voice that are hungry and thirsty for real meaning and purpose and significance 
in their earthly existence. Our world is so filled with confusion, directly fomenting from spiritual wickedness in high places where people are addicted to stu- stupidity, stupid things, in the face of the Ancient of Days. I want us to close our eyes all across this building here for a few moments. I'm, for all intended purposes, I'm done preaching. Praying in my kitchen this morning, God gave me this message. Which lets me to know there's people under the sound of my voice that God is prepared to meet your need. The difference that one prayer can make. This altar is open. This invitation is not to everybody. If you're desperate, if you're hungry, maybe you're wanting to experience the God of salvation. This is for you. Maybe your back is against the wall. There are no other answers. There is no plan B. There are no resources. This altar calls for you. Let's just come and stand around the front.